0: And here we go. What up? This is the Big Ten Football Focus Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Fessler, rocking with you. Just a few hours removed from our first college football games of the year. I guess we'll call it the appetizer of college football. We just saw two great Big Ten games. I want to break all of that down and so much more on this podcast episode. Obviously, We had uh, Big Ten action today. Uh, We had Northwestern taking on Nebraska and Dublin, Ireland, and then also Wyoming taking on Illinois in two week zero matchups. Happy to talk about that. Uh, We'll be discussing those games. There's a lot of heat coming down on Coach Scott Frost, and I'm going to give you maybe a little bit of a contrarian take on that on this episode of the Big Ten Football Focus podcast. We will also be discussing uh, the week one slate, look at the lines, and uh, we'll also be talking about week zero, what we got right, what we got wrong, because I think it's important to go over that, and so much more on this podcast. This will be the last podcast where it is probably just me. Once when we get into week one, I I would like to release two uh, episodes a week, one as kind of a recap, one as a preview, that way it will allow us to do... A couple of really fun games, bring on some guests, uh, bring on some some betting experts as well here at Woos Media and uh, engage with you guys as the fans. Maybe do some mailbox questions uh, because you, the fans, should run this podcast and I should just be a, a vessel to what I see the Big Ten as and what we see going through this this uh this upcoming season so that's kind of what we're laying out for this podcast so let's jump in we're going to start off with the first game nebraska against northwestern now uh obviously i I don't really want to be a newspaper i don't really want to be in the espn cbs sports wherever you get your uh uh you know your your score updates are from so, uh, but we're going to go over it. We'll, we'll talk about it. But the score was 28 to 31. Uh, Nebraska falls to Northwestern. Now, uh, at the end, we'll kind of talk about the betting and stuff, but we're, we're going to kind of break down the game. Now, um, I I was very impressed. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I was very impressed with the first uh the first half of, of Nebraska, I thought they came out. They looked crisp. I thought their quarterback was making the right reads. I thought that they were uh, very intuitive on the offensive side. Uh, they came out swinging and they were able to get, go up. You know, uh, fourteen ends up being fourteen seventeen going into the half. Right. And uh, but I thought I really thought it, it was super good. I thought, like I said, Casey Thompson. I had my reservations, my doubts about him. Uh, where he was at, at Texas last year. Uh, they had, I think it was 18 or 19 transfers that were starting in that game. So I knew that it was going to be kind of a patchwork and I was wanting to see what Scott Frost would do. We'll get into that in a little bit later. Uh, however, one of the things that I saw and I feel like this has been... Uh, a kind of a talking point is the adjustments. Uh, Nebraska looks so crisp that first drive. When, when you watch them go down this, the field on that first drive, it was like, okay, Nebraska, that's a top 25 team there. Uh, once when Northwestern, you know, they, they, they kind of stall out, uh, they then, you know, pin Nebraska deep. Nebraska kind of starts moving the ball again. Uh, you start to see Northwestern make adjustments, right? Uh, they weren't sending anybody. They were just basically trying to rush with four. As did Nebraska, but they stayed within that, and then they started moving. You know, the linebackers out to the slot receivers uh, in order to cover. They they pull them out a little bit wider. You'll see them. They won't be as bunched up in the middle. Uh, and then the run game for Nebraska never really got going, uh, despite them. You know, trying and trying and trying. Uh, I don't know why they didn't do you know spread out options or something like that. Maybe they just didn't see it. Uh, and, and so that was kind of, as I watched it, so at halftime, I was like, okay, so for those of you who, who, who are unaware of, of football and, and, and usually how it works, you script your first 15 maybe 20 plays I would say in college probably around 15. These are our 15 go-to plays. This is when we can know we can beat them on. We're going to get this matchup and then after that is when the adjustments come and I felt like Nebraska looked really really good that first quarter and then in the second quarter N- N- Northwestern then adjusted and Nebraska didn't know know what to do how, how to respond. So then you go into halftime uh, you come back out right, and uh, Nebraska looks like they're humming in the third quarter. But again, all off of scripted plays. They knew what they were going to do. No adjustments necessary, maybe a couple. But you're going to script your first half and or the first half and the second half part of plays, uh, and then it just looked like Paz Fitzgerald and the Northwestern Wildcats. They just made the the proper adjustments. Now we're going to get into the onside kick. A lot of people are are freaking out about it, and this is one thing uh, that. It's kind of funny because history is written by the winners, right? We don't talk about history written being written by the losers. Uh, we don't talk about, I mean, really, what happened after World War One? Maybe a little bit because that was the rise into World War Two, but we don't really talk about what happened to Germany uh, because. You know, America and the allies—they they defeated. They won World War One, right? You look at all across the the wars and stuff like that. Uh, Napoleon, when he's conquering, we, we weren't asking ourselves what you know ex-country felt like when when Napoleon conquered. So it's written by the winners. Scott Frost took a very big gamble, and and I would have to say that it would go through the head coach at that time. He said, "Let's let's go for the onside kick," right? We'll play out the scenario. What if he would have done that? What what if they're up 11, you know, third quarter? What if they would have recovered that onside kick? We'll even say, we'll just play out the scenario. They go down and kick a field goal. Now they're up 14 points. Do you think that that Northwestern offense really would have been able to to, to, to make a comeback back of 14 points. Now, they came back from 11, so the argument's there, but they did get into a really good field position, and it allowed them uh, to capitalize on it. So it went from being an 11-point game to a 4-point game, and then, you know, and then we, we kind of know what happened there. Uh, Nebraska scored zero points in that fourth quarter, and Northwestern played keep away and uh, really ran the ball. Uh, but when you look at those things, you got to ask yourself, was that the right call? Well, no, because it didn't work out, right? But what about if it did? Everyone would be hailing Scott Frost. Oh, my goodness. Look at his connection with Mark Whipple. They just went up. Even if, What about if they even scored the touchdown? They're up 18 then. That's near, nearly out of range because Northwestern doesn't have that high-powered offense to score quick and like, long, methodical drives. Now, they did get a lot of big breakaway plays, but you see things like that. And so... I'm going to hold my reservation on on Mr. Scott Frost here. A lot of people are coming down. Nebraska is a storied program. And it really is uh, unfortunate that they've went uh, you know five and seven, three and five, three and nine, and then they start off this year uh, with the loss. Uh, they they have uh, for Nebraska fans you should pick up the next two wins, uh, and then going into Oklahoma you're hoping uh, you know the best case scenario obviously a win, but you're really hoping out of this the top four games you go two and two as you prepare for the rest of the Big Ten slate. Uh, you do have an easier Big Ten schedule, so there's not too much panic. Uh, however, I can. And see people overreacting wanting him to be fired uh, but sometimes uh, I, I see this time and time again sometimes you just have those magical moments they're, they're asking what is he a different coach from when he was at UCF no, UCF was just that magic. The, the the kids there, his coaching style, the the landscape of Skylight College football at that time, it was just special. Uh, kind of like how I kind of see the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. Uh, as much as I want, uh, you know, the MCU to be what it was during Endgame and how cool it was when they were all going to go fight Thanos, I don't know if we'll ever feel or I'll ever feel as invested in the upcoming films because we no longer have Iron Man, we no longer have Captain America. I guess they could bring him back, but you you know what I mean? Sometimes it was just that special moment and that's what made it special. You look at the 2008 University of Utah Utes, right? They had a very, very special team. uh, Boise State in 2010 all of these teams had really special teams and it doesn't mean that he was a bad coach. It was just, I was what he was at the right place at the right time. And Nebraska, obviously, uh, even under, under Mike Riley, weren't really that good. They went nine and four was his best season Two bowl games. That was it, but two losing seasons, right? So, uh, it's just interesting as, as far as Nebraska goes. So that was my, my thoughts on that. And then we'll jump quickly over to the Illinois game. Uh, this game was, uh, if, for those of you, you know, Illini fans out there, game was kind of boring. Uh, you know, when you look at it, uh, Illinois dominated. First half was a little rocky to be expected with, a, uh, you know, a new offensive coordinator coming over from UTSA. Uh, but I thought the Illini looked great. I thought that they're running uh and uh, Josh McRae, both one-two punches. I think that's going to be very, very good. I did like uh, Tommy DeVito at the quarterback position. I thought he had a command of the offense. Uh, I thought he was. There were intangibles that he was doing on the sideline, going up to the boys, coaching them up, uh, talking to his offensive linemen. Uh, he wasn't sulking. That's the kind of mark that uh, Brett Bielema needs to to kind of turn around this this Illini program. Uh, it's it's struggled since for, well for a very long time. It all just starts with with that first step, right? And and I'm not and and I don't want to make too much, uh, you know, make a mountain out of a molehill. Because I don't think Wyoming even is a bowl-eligible team. Uh, I would imagine them going 3-9 to 4-8. Uh, but Illinois did look good, and I am very excited for their upcoming schedule. So uh, the, the next couple of games, uh, well, three or four games that we're going to be watching them. So I want to be keeping my eye on the Illini. I do think, like I said, they could be a surprise team to be sneaking into the uh, into a bowl game. So let's go over what we what we missed. So we're going to do uh, you know, Tyler right, Tyler wrong. Uh, where I was right as far as the betting predictions, right? and then any other predictions that I might make, and then where I was wrong. So uh, in the Nebraska-Northwestern game, I said smash the plus 12. I thought the beginning, the first game of the season uh, against a Big Ten conference foe, that is too many points in Dublin. Uh, from Nebraska, would be favored by 12 points. That was the, the line that we had at the last time. Obviously, we were right on that. Uh, and then I did say uh, on the Illinois game, it was at ten and a half when we were when we were on air, and I said, you know, take that. I think that's too many points again. In a, uh, I think. Illinois will beat Wyoming more, by more than that, uh, so I was right on that. I also said take the Illinois money line, so we were uh, three and one as far as that goes. Uh, the the one time that I was wrong, uh, we did I did say uh, it was going to be thirty one twenty four Nebraska. Uh, I said take the Nebraska money line. I thought the first game of the year Scott Frost would uh, would be able to pull out that win, Mark Whipple and, and company, right? Uh, but they they weren't able to, so. There it is. We, we were three and one, I guess, on our predictions this, uh, this week. And so let's jump forward now into week one and our preview. So let's jump into week one, right? And uh, just so you guys know, this is going to be a little bit longer podcast than what we usually do. We're combining kind of our week zero thoughts with week one preview. Uh, but we're going to kind of roll through this. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, instead of uh, discussing every single team, I want to say, uh, when, when, when an FPS team is playing an FCS team, uh, here are the keys to the game. Uh, Make sure tackling is working well. Make sure that you want to see what the defensive line looks. The lines, if they're allowing uh, you know, a team like Illinois State, like going up against Wisconsin, pressure on the quarterback, what does the line look like? Uh, You want to watch for tackling, arm tackles, if they're able to wrap up and and bring it down, and then avoid injuries. We have a lot of FCS teams playing uh, this week in the Big Ten against Big Ten foes. Uh, Obviously, win the game is a key to the game, but it's really hard to discuss that because these are, uh, you know, they're, they're Division One, but they're Division One AA, right? And so, uh, it's really hard to dissect things because they're using these games as kind of a tune-up. Even ga- even teams like Michigan State against Western Michigan, they're using this to to go through sets, get real-life game experience. Now, I'm not saying it can't happen. Appalachian State did upset Michigan. Sorry, it did happen in the big house. We know what happened there. So it could happen. Obviously, you want to avoid worst-case scenario, but a lot of the keys on those will be different. You're going to be to watching certain aspects of the ball. What, what were they like on third down? Situationally, were they able with 4 minutes left in the second quarter uh going into halftime were they able to 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 move the ball and pick up those key you know third downs and first downs right the first down moving the chains and able to kind of deflate the ball uh were they able to those kind of things I don't want to say on every single one those are the keys of the game when you're going to be going through FCS so but however our first game up uh, will be Penn State against uh, Purdue it's a Thursday night game it will be on Fox right now the line is sitting at three and a half I am using just so you guys know I am using the action sports uh, betting app just because uh, that way I can see it from multiple sports books right now it's hitting around uh, it's sitting around three and a half points uh, in favor of Penn State uh, I really I really think it's going to be coming down to uh, Penn State is on the road what is that boilermaker crowd going to be like very experienced Boilermaker team. Penn State obviously wanting to bounce back after kind of a, a subpar season uh, under James Franklin that you would you would think. Uh, it's really going to be Sean Clifford and his experience. Can, can he outweigh the experience of the Purdue defense? Uh, I think this is going to be close. And so... Uh, it does scare me uh, that, that three and a half points, uh, that, that's a really tough number to bet, right? That half point is just basically saying they're going to win by more than a field goal. Um, I, I will have to say I'm going to be taking that Penn State uh, minus three and a half because I think it's going to be 27 to 23. I don't imagine a super high scoring game. I think it's going to be close for the most part. I just think Penn State has a little bit more talent um, on both sides of the ball. Uh, I still love Purdue. I think this is a very unfortunate that they get them right out of the game. And that's why it's going to be as close as what it is. Uh, but that's that's where I see it. Penn State, Purdue, uh, and I'm going to be taking so Penn State minus three and a half, and then the Penn State money line. I do like that, and I think uh, Sean Clifford. I want to see how his how this year goes for him. As he's trying to, you know, if he was to enter the NFL draft, is is what he's going to be looking at going forward. So that's kind of that's that's game one. Uh, if you're Penn State, you're just hoping to, like I said, take care of business. Uh, it, it's tough that you get that for your first game of the year as a Big Ten game. Ask Nebraska, how that is, because uh, usually, I mean, they play Ohio next next week, and so that's usually your tune-up game. Def- uh, the defensive side of Penn State does have a lot of uh, new pieces, so definitely want to watch uh, what they do. W- uh, that Purdue offense is able to do. So that is my prediction. The next game up, it is a Thursday night game as well. New Mexico State taking on Minnesota. Uh, this line has shot up even more than when I uh, first kind of started preparing for this podcast. It's sitting at 37 and a half. I think Minnesota is going to blow them out. I think Tanner Morgan, uh, under center. I think he's, he's just going to dominate. New Mexico state is a bad team. Uh, it is kind of cool because Jerry kill is the head coach at New Mexico state who was once the head coach at Minnesota. So he's kind of going back there. Uh, but I think PG Fleck and the golden gophers are just going to annihilate them. Uh, I think I, I have at 52 to 10, uh, New Mexico state did play the week before they had a week zero game against Nevada. They did lose that game. Nevada is not going to be a good mountain West team. Uh, so them losing to a bad Mountain West team uh, just kind of shows you the state of the program. Uh, kind of will need a little bit more, you know, face facelift than uh, than what it has right now. So, I you know, fifty-two to ten. I think Minnesota the offense is humming. I think by the second half, the only reason why it's 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 a high number is uh, do they keep Tanner Morgan in? Do they keep their playmakers in? Uh, but I think that Minnesota is going to going to trounce New Mexico State. Uh, especially at home, it being that first game. Uh, next up, we have Michigan State against East uh, against Western Michigan. Sorry, Michigan State. Uh, I, again, like I said, it, kind of with the FCS teams, m- we want to see what the offense is looking like. Uh, more so, I like to watch the lines and, and then on defense. Uh, Michigan State brings a lot back on defense, so their offensive side of the ball is a little bit lesser than what they had the the year before. I think uh, Peyton Thorne cuts them up. Uh, they have one the last 12 games against the Broncos, so I don't imagine it that, that uh, you know, being broken. I think they move it to, to to 13 games. Western Michigan isn't a slouch, but I just think it's kind of like uh, Michigan and uh, Michigan State are kind of like big brothers to everyone else in the state, and uh, Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan, they just kind of, they're there, but they're not uh, as good. Uh, my prediction for this game is uh, Michigan State 45, Western Michigan 10, Um I wouldn't even be surprised if Western Michigan got 14. I I do think that uh, right now the line has crept up to 21 and a half. Uh, When I was able to first look at it at 20, uh, that 21 and a half point still holds on my prediction. So I would say uh, Michigan State take the points. I think they win by uh, more than three touchdowns, but definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, They are two and two against the spreads uh, since 2013 against the Broncos, and the last few meetings have been 13, 13, and 14 points, so something to keep an eye on. I just think that uh, after last year, uh, the Michigan State Spartans going 11-2. and two, uh, I want to see, obviously, their offensive run game losing Kenneth Walker, but uh, I think that they're, they're going to dominate. I, I don't think Western Michigan is as good as uh, in years past, so that was my prediction. 45-10 to 10, uh, Michigan State over Western Michigan. Uh, and next up, we have Indiana against Illinois. And this is going to probably be the hardest game to bet this week. Kind of like I said with that uh, Purdue-Penn State, Indiana against Illinois is going to be very difficult because this is Indiana's first game. Illinois has now played a game. So you've got two things kind of going in your favor. It's, re- it's really kind of interesting. First off, when I'm thinking about it uh, as, I'm, I'm, as I'm sitting here, Illinois has now shown Indiana on film, hey, this is, this is our M.O., right? We've got two great running backs, a really strong quarterback beat us, basically. Right? They've showed their flaws. They've showed their their good things as far as uh, you know, defensive side of the ball versus offensive side of the ball. They've shown it. okay. And they might have not shown everything in the game against Wyoming. Why would you? It was just Wyoming. You were going to get the win anyway. So there's that. And you're like, okay. But then it's kind of a catch-22 because Indiana hasn't played. So you don't know your... Your weaknesses. You don't know your strengths. You might know your strengths, but you don't know the flaws in, in, in a cornerback. In is he going to be able to, to to drop back into Tampa, too? Is he going to recognize uh, to, to hand off to the safety if we're in a zone? Will he know on this particular pattern? Those kinds of things, Illinois has now had that real game experience, and they can address that. They can get better. This week, Illinois is like, okay, we did these things good. This is what we need to get better. Right. But they show their hand. Indiana's like, okay, we know what Illinois is going to do, but we don't really know what we've got. We think we've got a really good team. But who's to say? So when I'm looking at this right now, the line is three and a half. I would take Illinois plus three and a half. And why I say that, I think it's going to be an incredibly close game. I think it's going to be very, very close. I think it's going to be a super fun game to watch. Arguably the game of the week, I think Penn State Purdue will be really good. I just think it's going to this game is going to come down to honestly a one possession game, if not three points. Right. Uh, my prediction for it is twenty eight to twenty seven. Uh, I, I kind of harped on Illinois. One of the keys to last week's game was to score points. Uh, they averaged only twenty points a game, uh, and they they put up thirty eight. So their offense is a little more dynamic. Maybe it was against Wyoming. You could you can say that. I think it's going to be a 28, 27. I think Illinois is going to, to upset Indiana, and uh, I, I could be dead wrong on this, but I think those real game reps, uh, the 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 ability to reassess what you're able to do, uh, do well, do bad. It is on a short week. They are playing on a Friday, but I think that that really matters, and I think in the first half, Illinois is going to look a lot better. Indiana will kind of struggle the first half. By the second half, it's going to be a knockdown, dragout fight. Honestly, it's going to come down to who has the ball last. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's you know uh, 21 to 27, 21 to 24, and Illinois goes down and scores the last second touchdown, kicks in a field goal to make to go up. You know, 27 to. to, to 24, whatever it may be. My prediction is 28-27 uh, right now, but I think Illinois, I think you you can't downplay their ability of having those real game reps, so I'm taking them. Going out a little bit on a ledge uh, by taking Illinois, right, uh, that, that line might creep up. I mean, it started at three points. That would have been very dangerous. I think that's a push. Uh, if, obviously, we're going through every single game. I wouldn't be betting every single game. I'm just telling you what I would bet. Uh, uh, if it was plus three, I'd stay away from that number, just like the Purdue game. Uh, I ha- I'm going to give you my prediction. I'm going to tell you what I would do, but I wouldn't bet that game. I would stay away from that because I haven't seen those two. Same thing with Illinois-Indiana game. But now that it's uh, and now that it's flipped to that three and a half and saying that they're going to have to win by you know more than a t- more than just a field goal. That's that key number. Uh, I think uh, that's it's going to be a very very fun game. Can't wait to watch. The next game up, we do have Colorado State against Michigan. Now, Michigan came out with an interesting uh, statement uh, shortly after the game's finish was that they're going with Cade McNamara on uh, against Colorado State and then uh, J.J. McCarthy uh, against Hawaii. They're going to start them and see how these guys play. Kind of a little bit quarterback battle, quarterback controversy, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know why uh, they would do that. I do like McCarthy. I think he's a really good. I think he's dynamic. Uh, I think he's a little bit more sporadic, uh, not as consistent. I think his upside's higher than Cade McNamara, but I think Cade McNamara, you know exactly what you get. I mean, he freaking took you to uh, the you know the college football playoff last year. So I'm very interested to see how that battle kind of uh, plays out. Colorado State's an interesting team. They are getting uh, Coach Norvell, who was previously at N- N- Nevada. Colorado State has struggled uh, this last year, I mean, 3-9. and A uh, year before, I think they uh, 2020 wasn't a great season for them either. Uh, so they haven't been super great, but uh, just looking through, just as I'm looking through what I think is going to happen. I think Michigan's going to jump out. I think they're going to go hard. They're going to go fast at the beginning. I think by about the third quarter, they're going to start pulling starters and stuff like that. Uh, getting those real game reps. Uh, I, right now, it's all the way up to 27.5. That's a tough number. I, I would take uh, Colorado State with those points. I think it's going to be close. I think it's 35-14 is very realistic. I don't know if they'll get all the way up to 42-14. to 14. I think Colorado State will show uh, signs of... of you know, playing well, but I don't think, uh, I don't see them upsetting Michigan uh, in the big house, and uh, Michigan getting ready for Hawaii, and then Connecticut, I don't really think we're going to know what Michigan is capable of until September 24th against Maryland, so we're going to kind of put them on the back burner. The next game up, we do have Buffalo against Maryland, similar to some of these other games that we've been talking about. Uh, we want to see, you know, the quarterback, this is Tua's little brother, uh, how he commands the offense. What is Mike Loxley going to be doing? How How is that going to uh, work? They do have a lot of returners coming back uh, from a season ago. Buffalo's not a really good team. Uh, Maryland is 11-4 straight up against the spread on opening games, So they do really well coming out of the gate. Uh, you know, the spread right now, I'm looking at it, minus 23. I'd take Maryland minus 23. It, I would say 31-7. to seven. Buffalo did, uh, lose their coach Lance Leopold to Kansas, and so they're still kind of reeling from that. They were good uh, when Maryland probably scheduled this when Buffalo was really good. I think Maryland uh, takes care of business, and uh, they look, you know, to get ready for Charlotte the, this this uh, the week the week after uh finally the next game up we will be talking about Rutgers against Boston College this is a very very interesting game uh I would say probably my third most wanting to watch uh because I do really like Boston College uh and and I know this is a Big Ten podcast Uh, I do like some of the uh some of the schemes and the stuff that they run I think that, that they have a phenomenal coach and so uh Jeff Halfley, he was previously, I believe he was previously with Ohio State. Uh, anyway, I think he's a great coach, but I also think Greg Schiano is. This is the tempo setter because I don't see, right now the line's at 7.5. That is way too much. I would say Rutgers plus 7.5 uh, as we're sitting right now. I think it's going to be closer than that, 28-24, 35-31. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be closer than that. It'd be a four-point game. Why I say that is I want to see what Rutgers is capable of, again um, – What is the offensive like? They did lose quite a few starters on that side of the ball. Uh, And then also their defense. Boston College is a good, you know, power five team. They're not a bad team. You're not going up against, you know, Charlotte. You're not going up against Buffalo. You're not going up against an FCS team. I want to see, I think this is a really good test for, for Rutgers. The week after they get Wagner, the week after they get Temple, I think they win those two games, but if they can start off three and zero, I think that really you know solidifies the confidence in, in Coach Chiano. Solidifies uh, you know this is our year. We're starting off three and zero. We're going to be starting off right. Um, I think it's going to be close. I actually am going to take Rutgers with the points. Uh, obviously, Rutgers plus seven and a half right now. Uh, I but I do think that um, I do think that Boston College beats them uh, by a score of, of thirty five to thirty one. I think it'll be a little bit higher scoring. Uh, but that's kind of what i see uh where this this game is going so Boston College, great team. You're on the road. First game. Uh, Rutgers fans, you might hate me. I don't hate Rutgers. I'm excited to talk about them once when they get uh, into the season and and kind of what they're able to take away. But, again, it's probably my third most game that I'm excited to watch. So uh, very excited to see what they're capable of. Next up, we do have Iowa against uh, South Dakota State. South Dakota State is no slouch. So uh, if you're Iowa, I will say, you know, South Dakota State uh, Mm – You know, they've been in like the national championship or in the final four of the national championship at the FCS level. This is no slouch of a game. Now, Iowa is a very good FBS team, and they have far more talent than South Dakota State. So we're going to leave it at that. But definitely don't get caught, you know, sitting there. You've got to be able to have long, sustained drives, as Iowa do, does. If you want to know the key to the game, I think if you look at the third down conversions and they're over 40 to 50% for Iowa, Iowa's going to be beating them pretty good. If South Dakota State can hold them, can hold them on third down, I think it will be an interesting game. I'm not calling for an upset. I think uh, Iowa ends up beating them 31 to 17. I think it's going to be close, but Iowa really just kind of keeps it out of uh, out of play as it goes. Uh, they don't have a spread through the app because it's an FCS team. Uh, they might get one as we get closer to game time, but thirty-one uh, seventeen—that's kind of my prediction. Uh, the next game up, we have—we've uh, just got uh, three games left, so we'll kind of whip through the, these next two and then get into the game of the week. Obviously, uh, we have North Dakota playing Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska's just got to win the game. I, I, That—that's the key don't get anyone hurt and just win you can't i mean obviously if if, if you lose to an fcs team i think scott frost is done just win, blow them out, do everything that. Like even if you're if you're up forty five to seven, and everyone's going to say this sounds terrible, right? Oh, what about the children? It's so sad that they're beating the snot out of them. No, you you just pile on. If it's sixty three to ten, that's not enough. If it's seventy seven to ten, that is not enough. If you're in Nebraska, you continuously you you drill it in. You hope that you can get your team and just have an absolute killer of a game. Then you move on to Georgia Southern. And if I was Nebraska, I would do the same exact thing. I think they win the next two games. I don't see them uh, struggling in this game. They might. I mean, I could be wrong. Uh, I think Nebraska fans deserve more than what this team has given them over the last couple of years. But... I think I, I see this game uh, thirty eight to fourteen uh, just because I I gotta see Frost be able to make halftime adjustments but you know I think you just you just let them annihilate them uh, hopefully you get up big you get up fast and you just score 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 and score 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 uh, don't slow up I, I I I don't know that's that's kind of my prediction that would be my advice if I was if I was a Nebraska fan or I'd want to see if I was a Nebraska fan uh, as we're as we're sitting here uh, today. Final game before we get into what I think is the game of the week. Um, Illinois State against Wisconsin, again, uh, win the game. I don't see much of... uh much keys to the game other than you know convert on third down don't miss tackles don't get anyone hurt and uh, and win the game uh, I want to see how Graham Mertz does obviously Illinois State uh, a little bit lower of a, a in the FCS right so not as talented as Wisconsin they should be able to, to pick up a good game and uh, don't overlook them because uh, the, the week after they're playing Washington State, which is a little bit better of a team. Uh, don't overlook them. Hopefully you can just pick up the win and uh, get out of there unscathed uh, out of that game. Uh, prediction on that game, 56-7. to I think Wisconsin kind of trounces them in Madison. And now we are moving on to the final game of the week. I believe this is the game of the week. Obviously, uh, it's awesome that uh, you know we get such a good game coming right out of the uh right out of the gate in in game one a lot of them are, are what we've been talking about buffalo uh you know illinois state uh you know panera bread uh you know mcdonald's university going out there but no um here here we go um Ohio State's taking on Notre Dame. They do get them at home. One thing that's interesting to note, uh, and, and I find this curious when I was going through the Ohio State schedule, uh, they don't have an away game until October 8th. So that is uh, five game, home games right out of the gate Um they only go on the road four times this year uh, at Michigan State, at Penn State, at Northwestern, and then at Maryland. Kind of find it curious to get eight home games. Uh, normally it's six and six or at least seven and five for the good teams, but they did uh, kind of tip their hands. So congratulations, Ohio State fans. But uh, a lot of people are going to be talking about this game. I think it's going to be a lot of hype. Uh, I think Ohio State's going to blow him out. Uh, Notre Dame, number one, I don't think is a top 25 team. Uh, number two, I'm not confident in Marcus Freeman. He has coached one game at the helm uh, and he lost to Oklahoma State 35 to 37. That Oklahoma State team really wasn't super great. But uh, Marcus Freeman, uh, first year coach, I think he's going to go through some growing pains. Not only a first year coach, but a first year coach at Notre Dame. Now, I understand that uh, that's your, you know, your, your, you've are you been there, great defensive coach. I think a lot of people have raved about what he's able to do. Being a coordinator versus being a, or, or a skill position coach versus being a head coach, completely different. I don't know. Uh, I, I just want to say first-year coach is always immediately, I think they're going to struggle. That's my go-to because that's what it would naturally be. Very few first-year coaches have uh, the amount of success as what Notre Dame has had, Um on top of recruiting at Notre Dame has to be in, you know, significantly more difficult with academic standards. Uh, you have the, the church aspect uh, of it as well. And uh, it's, it's got to be difficult. I'm sorry. It's, it's just what it has to be. And I, I really think uh, they're going to struggle their first game. Obviously, him putting it in, in offense and his defense and all that, I, I think it struggles. And then going into the, the horseshoe, nonetheless. Uh, one thing that's really interesting is this is Ryan's Day's kids. They're, this is year five. It means that pretty much all all of Urban Meyer's kids are out of the system. They might have a few, you know, COVID hangarounds. I want to see what his kids are capable of. How is he as a recruiter? Was was he able to uh, put together this team uh, the way that he designs it? Uh, you look at Trestle, you look at Meyer. uh ah. I'm really curious to see how how this game plays out. I think Ohio State just beats down on them. I I think a 42 to 10 it would be my prediction. Ohio minus 17 I think is a pretty good uh, a pretty good you know. Uh, line. Uh, I think Ohio State really beats down on them. I think it'll be close. First quarter, Ohio State will go through the normal first game jitters and, and stuff like that. But but by uh, by about the third quarter, I don't think it's going to be much to be uh, be discussed. I think Ohio State is a phenomenal team. I think is they're definitely within the national championship bubble, uh, and they're going to go out and they're going to show out on this game. Very excited to watch uh, this game. I know it is, I believe it's the, the night game on on ABC, it is. Uh, so, you know, the nation's going to be watching. Uh, it's too bad that it's not Brian Kelly. Uh, Brian Kelly, obviously, I'm mo- moving on to LSU. I think it would be a little bit closer. But I, I got to see what Mike- Marcus Freeman is, is-, is capable of. Maybe he surprised me. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, but I really think, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Day and the Ohio State Buckeyes, just just take him to town. Uh, I'd like to see where C.J. Stroud is. He obviously, uh, really the last memory I have of him, uh, I did watch the, the Utah game. My really last one was him struggling in the big house and and that that uh, Michigan defense making it tough on him so uh i want to see how how he's progressed especially in a high uh intense situation. We won't really see that in until october eighth so uh against Michigan state so I really want, I guess, watching him, his first drives as he goes through his progressions. Uh, and then on top of the defensive line, Ohio State did not get very much pressure. Oregon went into the big, uh, into the horseshoe last year, moved them all over the place. So uh, I want to see what the, 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 the defensive line and what the linebackers are, that front seven of Ohio State, if they're able to get pressure. But uh, I imagine so, and that's why I have it, uh, a score of 42 to 10. So this has been our, uh, our podcast, kind of week zero podcast, along with the uh, the week one preview like i said next week i would really like to do a preview podcast along with a uh you know a recap podcast separately bring on some experts um for those of you out there uh obviously gamble responsibly these are just my predictions uh yeah make sure you're 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 gambling responsibly a lot of people um, you know they don't understand what they're doing, so uh, that's why we go through the lines. that can kind of say, "Oh, I'm taking the money line. I think that team will win," and stuff like that. But obviously, it's your money. Be careful with it. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what you do with your money. Just be careful, gamble responsibly. But excited to excited to watch this first game of season. It was an appetizer. You know, we we were just at Chili's. We just had the chips and salsa. Now it's time to get into that big old thick uh, T-bone steak that you ordered, right? Now we've had it. We've had the chips and salsa. We've had the uh, the bloomin' onions. I love that from from Outback. Uh, we've we've moved we past it or Texas Roadhouse. Can't remember. Maybe both. But uh, yeah, we moved past that meal. Now we're on to the next one. It's starting out Thursday night, followed by a Friday night game. And then all day Saturday, we've got Big Ten action all day. Excited to talk about it. Be sure to follow us um, on all. Uh, we, we are getting our social medias up. Uh, be sure to subscribe so that you're notified when we're releasing these episodes. And then don't be afraid to reach out. I love doing fan answered questions. You guys, this like I said, this is your show. I'm just going to be talking what I'm seeing on the field. But if you have a question that you're desperately trying to get answered, let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. This is is a forum and where we're able to do it. Love podcasting. Love you guys. Love the Big Ten. Congratulations on Illinois and Nebraska on their first wins of the season. Uh, Nebraska. Northwestern. uh, Sorry, Nebraska. First loss of the season, right? Uh, congratulations to those two teams and uh, can't wait to watch what we're doing, what's going up next week. Again, uh, subscribe, tell your family, tell your friends. Until next week, we hope you have a wonderful week and uh, can't wait for football on Thursday.